we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to the Core here on American Family Radio. Good to be with you today. Here on the Core, our website is AFR.net. AFR.net is our website. You can go to our website and uh, listen live to the show. You can listen live to the show. You can also listen to past shows. So both of those options are there on the website, live streaming and previous shows for you to listen to, whatever you choose, whatever you would like. You can get there on our website. We also have our American Family Radio app. Our American Family Radio app that is uh, available for your smartphone, for your tablet device. And I talked a little bit about, I teased our CarPlay feature that we've been working on, and that's just about days away from launching. We're going to push an update uh, to Apple devices within the next week, and um, you'll be able to utilize the CarPlay feature in your vehicle, assuming you have a newer model vehicle, which I don't, but some of you do have a newer model vehicle with the CarPlay feature built in, just like there's the Android Auto feature as well. Uh, So that'll just be one more of... uh, of a plethora of options and avenues to listen to American family radio and technology. Uh, as, as it's been said before, technology can be used for good or it can be used for evil. And so we're trying to use technology for good so that people can have access to American family radio and to biblically based talk shows and commentary. And uh, of course, Bible teaching here on the network. I want to thank all of our listeners. I don't think I've been on since Sherathon. Last time I was on was Thursday of last week, and uh, on live, rather. And so I want to thank all of our listeners for calling in, for supporting our Sherathon. We raised about $4.2 million, over 19,000 donations in just three days. So thanks to our audience out there, our faithful, loyal, listening audience. Thank you for donating to our work and allowing us to have a very healthy ministry financially so that we can continue offering and providing uh, first-class, top-notch Christian radio content uh, across the country and all over the world. So we couldn't do it without you, the listener. We couldn't do it without our supporters. So thank you to those who donated. And uh, our pledge is to remain faithful to our calling, our biblical calling, uh, to be a, a Christian witness in uh, in this land. So that's what we're going to keep doing here on the network. I want to remind you about our conference that we have in July, and registration is going to close uh, May 15th, I believe is the date that registration is going to close for our marriagefamilylife.net conference. MFL 22 is as it's called around here. You can go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net, click register now. It'll take you to the form. Fill out the information, go ahead and submit your payment, and uh, you can register for the conference. Very affordable, $70 for adults, 
$35 for children, $70 for adults, $35 for children. That includes the basically two-and-a-half-day conference. We have a concert on Thursday night, and then we have full-day Friday, full-day Saturday conference. I'll be broadcasting live from the conference on Friday from the venue there. All headquartered in our uh, – we're going to have that in the same city as our headquarters, Tupelo, Mississippi. We're going to have it at the Bancorp South Arena and Conference Center just uh, across town here. July 7 through 9, July 7 through 9, marriagefamilylife.net to register. Want to go ahead and encourage you to register. Don't wait until mid-May or late May thinking you're going to come in the door uh, as a master procrastinator because we're going to close registration. We're going to close registration on May 15th. So go ahead and sign up. Bring the family. Bring the family. It's one of the few conferences around the country where we want the entire family to come. We want the entire family to come enjoy the conference, and be refreshed and renewed. Uh, Jumping into our scripture for the week, Psalm chapter 20. We're going to read this entire psalm because it's relatively short. Nine verses, Psalm chapter 20. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the Lord of Jacob, may the name of the God Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard you with favor. Regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all of your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation. And in the name of the Lord our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. So what I want to highlight this week, verse 7, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. So may that be true for you and I. May it be true that you and I trust in the name of the Lord our God and we do not trust in chariots or horses. May we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Well, the the trending story this week is pretty spectacular. And that is the Elon Musk v. Twitter drama that's been going on probably the past week and a half or two. And Elon Musk, the uh, billionaire from South Africa, now an American citizen who owns the Tesla Corporation, also owns the Starlink, the satellite internet company as well. He's got several different things going on from a, a, a business standpoint. Well, Elon Musk offered to buy Twitter in recent weeks, and he honestly offered more than it's worth. <laughs> to buy Twitter when it comes to a share standpoint, a cost per share standpoint. Well, yesterday, Twitter took him up on the offer. Twitter took him up on the offer. So Elon Musk is set to buy Twitter this year. The uh, company announced that the deal will close sometime this year before the end of the year. So uh, that's some interesting news, interesting development. And, and one of the reasons it's it's interesting is because Elon Musk has made it very clear that he doesn't agree with how Twitter is operating. 
He doesn't agree with how Twitter is operating. He doesn't like their censorship. He doesn't like their their moves to deplatform people they don't like. He doesn't like it. He also has made it clear that he doesn't like the the secretive algorithms that nobody knows what's going on. We don't know why <laughs> tweets don't make it to people, and um, and so all of that he wants to change. He wants to verify. He says, "I want to verify every human. Why not verify every human? Verify." that the person behind the Twitter handle is a human. And then that eliminates the bots, all the trolls, all the fake bots. It eliminates that. So he's basically wanting to make Twitter a first-class product, which it's not now, and and really restore what it was set out to be. And, and people are just, people's heads are spinning. People's heads are spinning. And, and I think what's happening here is the left, oh, I know what's happening here. The left has enjoyed complete dominance of the major tech platforms. I mean, tell me which major tech platform is not run by lefties. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can find some regional corporation maybe that's run by conservatives. But name me out of the big tech corporations like the top 10 in America, in the world, Tell me which one's not run by liberals. And I saw a chart today, which I should have brought in, but I saw a chart <clears throat> of all the the donations, the political donations of these different companies. You know, you can run the the employee chart versus the um, the uh, elections commission or the federal elections commission, the FEC records where you you register your donations to political candidates. Everybody has to every campaign has to publish, turn this data in where you can see, okay, well, you know, John Smith donated to uh, Biden's campaign in the 2020 election cycle. So you combine th- this, uh, this report, combine the data between who works for the company and where they're donating to for as, as it relates to politics. And, and Twitter was like number two, the number two company that donates to Democrats, like 95 plus percent of their, of their employee donations <laughs> go to Democrats. And the same thing with Facebook. You can just go down the list. And the majority of these companies, all their employees donate to Democrats for the most part. So so the left dominates these tech platforms, and there's one platform that might change hands and change ownership to where the person's not an uber liberal, and they are wigging out. And this shows you, shows me, that this is a zero-sum game. This is a zero-sum game, and it's not because I said so or I think it should be a zero-sum game. And when I talk about a zero-sum game, what I'm talking about is it's all or nothing for these folks. There is no middle ground. There is no, you know, the little sticker on the back of these people's bumpers that say coexist. Who are we kidding? Who are we kidding? Let's coexist. Right, that sounds virtuous, it sounds noble, it sounds so American. These folks do not want to coexist. Hence, they're wigging out. They are absolutely, I don't even know if that's a phrase, wigging out. I use it all the time. <laughs> they, are, they are absolutely losing their mind because one of a mil, uh, one of a hundred tech companies is going to go, not to the right, it's just going to go maybe towards the middle a little bit. Elon Musk is no uber conservative. I don't even know what his faith is, if he has one at all. So it's not like 
You know, these evangelicals are hijacking Twitter, even though that would be great. This is another billionaire who wants to buy the platform and make a few tweaks to it. And they are losing their mind. So so, so it is a zero-sum game, and not because I said so or I think it should be. It's a zero-sum game because that's how the other side operates. So if it's a zero-sum game for them, then it should be a zero-sum game for us. Which is why Florida is, is aggressively fighting the corporate bullies. The state of Florida, with the leadership of Governor Ron DeSantis, is fighting the aggressive corporate bullies. Because the corporation Disney is out of line and out of touch with the consumer base and the folks in Florida that pay taxes to the state of Florida, that vote in the state of Florida, that elected the governor of the state of Florida, and where Disney is headquartered, Disney is out of touch with the people of Florida. And so Disney thought that they were going to bully the governor and bully Florida into not passing certain protections for little children, which is very noble, very honorable, and a good law. So Disney thought they were going to bully the governor, bully the people of Florida, and get their way and just break everything in the, in the process like they typically try to do. And Florida responded, and not only did Florida pass the parental rights and education bill, they went a step farther, and they told Disney, look, if you want to sit here and bully us, and you want to shame us, and you want to smear the state of Florida and the people of Florida, then we're removing your special tax protections. We're removing your special tax privileges. And all the folks who say we don't need corporate privilege, the corporations are evil, the billionaires need to pay their fair share, all those same people who are for socialism are now criticizing the state of Florida for taking away a special corporate tax provision for Disney. So two can play this game. And for anyone who says, oh, they shouldn't have done that in Florida, government should never go after private corporations for political means, who are we kidding? These are the same people that investigate and spy on a sitting president, punish the bakers who don't want to bake cakes for homosexuals. These are the same folks that deplatform the Christians. All right, so it's time we start playing the zero-sum game. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The city lies four square, its length, width, and height all equal, 1,380 miles for each dimension. The city's wall is 216 feet high, 12 gates around the city, with each gate made of a single pearl. Streets of gold so pure, they're translucent. No need for a sun, God's glory lights the city. No tears, no pain. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. When you pay a sick visit to your doctor, you're typically sent home with medications to take or with instructions to rest. But recently, our neighbors to the north are getting some new care instructions, prescriptions to visit their national parks. That's right, Canadian doctors are prescribing time spent in creation as a treatment option for many types of medical conditions. Studies show that time spent outdoors is proven to reduce stress and ultimately improve health. Is it any wonder that God's creation would be the cure for humanity's maladies? If your girl is facing times of stress or battling anxiety, find a way to unplug and get outdoors. Going for walks, gardening, and outdoor exercise are all easy ways to reconnect with the great outdoors. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. We live in a day when America's families are under attack like never before. Buddy Smith, Senior Vice President of the American Family Association. The war against biblical principles rages on numerous fronts. The Internet, Hollywood, Washington, D.C., America's corporate boardrooms, and the list goes on. At American Family Association, we're committed to standing against the enemies of God, the enemies of your family, and we recognize it's an impossible task without God's favor and your partnership. Thank you for being faithful to pray for this ministry, to give financially, and to respond to our calls for activism. What you do on the home front is crucial to what we do on the battlefront. We praise God for your faithfulness. And may He give us many victories in the battles ahead as we work together to restore our nation's biblical foundations. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. You can go and watch the show once we uh, wrap it up here. You can go and watch the show on our streaming platform. We upload the video each day, each weekday on our streaming platform for you to watch the show after the fact, just like we do the podcast with the audio. Streaming.afa.net is that platform. Streaming.afa.net is our video streaming platform that we own, that we operate. The... uh, Other place you can watch is on Facebook by going to the core show page on Facebook. You can watch the show there. And uh, and we've been deplatformed from YouTube. How fitting to be covering these stories, and they've deplatformed me from YouTube. So uh, Facebook is where you can watch it, or you can watch the show that we upload afterwards on our streaming platform by going to streaming.afa.net. Well, if you don't trust me and you don't believe what I'm saying about the the left here going ballistic over Twitter and Elon Musk buying it, let's listen to clip three. This is an MSNBC host uh, just talking about how Twitter can now censor the left. Clip three. You own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates, all of its nominees. Or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Elon Musk says this is all to help people because he is just a free speech, philosophically clear, open-minded helper. Folks, that is not the Babylon Bee. 
<laughs> that is that is not the onion. Although, how humorous. How humorous. That was a serious news clip. He was, he was very serious. That was commentary from uh, MSNBC host Ari, or Ari Bel- Melber from The Beat on MSNBC. And it sounds like he's describing the 2020 election cycle. You know, let's ban the sitting president from the platform. Let's shadow ban everybody else who agrees with him. Let's de-platform people who we don't like. There's no way this MSNBC host has had his head in the sand for two years, over two years. There's no way he has had his head in the sand for over two years. And he's what he's describing is what Twitter is already doing. And they're a publicly held company, and they're still behaving like fools. And somehow Elon Musk buying Twitter is going to make Twitter be weaponized against political opponents. Hmm. So it's basically going to operate the same as it is now. It is now. So there's no way, there's no way he doesn't know unless he's just that out of it that he doesn't realize what he's saying and that the way he's describing Twitter and the future Elon Musk on Twitter is uh, how Twitter is being operated right now. We got to hear that one more time, Bobby. Let's play clip three. Who own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you, you don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates, all of its nominees, or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Elon Musk says this is all to help people because he is just a free speech, philosophically clear, open-minded helper. Well, there you have it. There you have it. So my philosophy on this is Twitter can't get any worse than it already is. Twitter can't get worse than it already is. And, you know, this is America. And if you have the money, you can buy stuff. So Elon Musk has the money. If he wants to buy Twitter and Twitter wants to sell, well, go for it. Go for it. And, um, but this is more about narrative control. This is more about narrative control, which is why, uh, these folks are losing it because they did not see this coming. They did not see this coming. And you want to know where it all began. You want to know where it all began. It all began in the Twitterverse when Twitter decided that they would deplatform the Babylon Bee, which is a owned by a Christian, Seth Dillon. Um, Twitter deplatformed the Babylon Bee because the Babylon Bee put out a satirical article about the Department of Health and Human Services director under the Biden administration. I'm not going to say his name, the name that he goes by, uh, because that's not his true identity, but I'm sorry, the U.S. Assistant Secretary of Health. And you know what's sad is I can't find this man's true name. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the man who thinks he's a woman, and he is uh, over the—he's Assistant Secretary of Health. And so maybe Bobby or, or, or Marty can look up his biological name 
Um, Levin is the last name, but find out his biological name because, of course, the Internet scrubbed it. Um, but, but the Babylon Bee, back to the point, Babylon Bee posted a satirical orders, article saying that uh, USA Today has awarded this man the Woman of the Year title or the Woman of the Year award. So it's a complete joke, but it's a play off of some reality. And Twitter deplatformed the Babylon Bee. You got his name. I do. His given birth name was Richard Leland Levine. Okay, so Richard Levine, or Levine, who is now uh, the Assistant Secretary of Health for uh, the Biden administration, who identifies as a female, thinks he's a woman, and dresses accordingly, so on and so forth. Um, so, uh, so the Babylon Bee is deplatformed. Well, Elon Musk sees that and he doesn't like it. So he goes and interviews and meets with the Babylon Bee staff. And starts this whole feud with Twitter. So that's where it all originated. All because Twitter deplatformed the Babylon Bee for running a satirical article on a Biden administration official. How ironic, how ironic. Uh, other people who are just losing it over Elon Musk wanting to buy Twitter or buying Twitter. Uh, authorities in the United Kingdom are demanding that Twitter follow the country's censorship laws. <laughs> When it comes under the control of its new owner, Elon Musk. Uh, moving on, uh, Musk, who, who has self-identified as a free speech absolutist, has said that he, his aims are to increase the transparency of the platform he acquired for around $44 billion, while also noting that free speech is a bedrock of a functioning democracy. Hmm, sounds pretty good. However, while some have celebrated the forthcoming Silicon Valley regime change, authorities in Britain appear to be afraid that the takeover may get in way of their forthcoming program of enhanced online censorship. Regardless of ownership, all social media platforms must be responsible. The Times reports a spokesperson from the Prime Minister Boris Johnson's office. What happened to Boris Johnson? Supposed to be a conservative. You know, like three or four years ago, he got elected, and they were like, this guy's going to be a conservative. He's everything but a conservative. Who are we kidding over there? Um uh, uh, Boris Johnson's office goes on to say that, that includes protecting users from harm on their sites. It is too early to say what, if any, changes will be made to how Twitter operates. Well, we do know it's going to be a privately held corporation. It's not going to be public anymore. That's right. Subject to the SEC rules and regulations, and Elon has never gotten, a, uh, gotten along well with the SEC. Yeah, so free from government regulation meddling. And um, so this, folks, listen to this. The, the, this is being pitched. The, the, uh, the hissy fit that is being held is being pitched as a, we need to protect the public from harmful content. This is, this is a joke, all right? This is, this, is, this is laughable. These are the same people that are okay with BLM and Antifa burning down city blocks as long as their cause is righteous in their eyes, as long as their cause is justified. That's okay. Violence is acceptable as long as the cause is justified in their eyes. This is the same group, Facebook specifically, whom we had an individual commit a felony and threaten bodily, physical bodily harm 
and death on American Family Association staff a couple years ago. We flagged it and reported it to Facebook. They did nothing. The gentleman was charged and indicted and sentenced to prison through the federal court system and through a U.S. attorney's office, and Facebook never took the post down. So we're about protecting people from harm? These are the same platforms, some of them, that allow explicit pornography on their platforms. They allow explicit pornography. All pornography is explicit, but they allow some of the most egregious pornographic content on their platforms. This is the same crowd that wants to groom little children in sexual perversion. But these are the folks that want to protect us from harmful content. They're the ones that want to protect us from harmful content as if we're not adult enough to protect ourselves from harmful content. And their view of harmful content is anything they don't agree with. Anything they don't agree with, they call harmful content, such as me saying something they don't like. That is harmful content. Boom, deplatformed. All right. So the definition of harmful content is very, very subjective. Well, uh, moving on to a couple of the stories I want to talk about. Texas is still busing illegal immigrants to Washington, D.C. Let's listen to this uh, Fox News report. This is clip one. Let's listen. We're going to show you some exclusive pictures. We're going to take you down to Washington, D.C. It's a Fox News alert. Remember when Greg Abbott said in Texas that if the federal government is going to drop migrants off in Texas, we will provide them free bus rides to our nation's capital. That is a bus with two or three dozen migrants on board. Uh, we believe it just rolled into Washington. It just rolled into Washington. I think they initially wanted to uh, drop off the migrants at the U.S. Capitol, but I think uh, as close as they could get would be near Union Station. I, I, I they could be processed on the bus. They're being it processed. Kinda, They're inside yeah, right now. It kind of looks like a Columbus Circle right there. So uh, that is what uh, Jen Psaki referred to as, well, that's just a publicity stunt. No, it's not. That's not going to happen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is happening. It is happening. It is happening. And um, the uh, governor of Texas is still doing this. He's still busing illegal immigrants to Washington, D.C., and he's considered doing it to the uh, president's home state of Delaware as well. So good for him. That is uh, playing the zero-sum game. That is fighting fire with fire, as they say. Uh, So good for the the Abbott administration in Texas for busing these illegal immigrants uh, to Washington, D.C. so they can be taken care of. That is the most uh, compassionate, big-hearted thing that you can do is send these illegal immigrants to a place where they can be properly cared for, where the resources are available, and that is Washington, D.C. So we need to keep busing them by the hundreds to Washington, D.C., and let the Biden administration and Congress figure out how best to care for them, how best to uh, to take care of them. Um, another story I wanted to <clears throat> touch on is what's going on with Poland today. This is, this is not getting as much attention as I thought it would, but Poland relies heavily on 
<clears throat> Russia for their natural gas. Poland relies heavily on uh, their uh, Russia for the natural gas, and they uh, <clears throat> Russia has cut off the spigot today. Russia has cut off the spigot to Poland today, so Poland will no longer get natural gas from Russia. But this this raises the <clears throat> concern that I've said that I said a couple months ago, and that is Poland <clears throat> should never should have never been getting energy from Russia, and all these other uh, European countries, some of them NATO members, have been relying heavily heavily on Russia for their energy. And President Trump brought this up when he was president when meeting when he met with the U.S. Uh, the UN Secretary General, he said, "Look, you guys want America to pay billions to defend NATO, but y'all buy your energy from the enemy. You buy your energy from the enemy, but you want us to fund your military operations to fight against Putin. But you're buying your oil from him instead of buying it from America or buying it from someone else. <clears throat> so Russia has." Uh, They've pulled the, uh, they've cut the spigot off from uh, uh, gas going into Poland. So this is this is a big problem. This is a big big problem when you look at um, Poland heavily heavily reliant on Russian energy. So we'll see where that goes, and we'll continue to track it. But you know this this goes back to the point I said a while ago, and that is if if NATO member countries and other European countries are serious about fending off Russian aggression, then they would have never put themselves in a position post-Soviet era where they are relying 50, 60, 70% of their energy imports are coming from their, their, their sole enemy. So how serious is NATO about fighting Putin if they're drunk on Putin's energy? Serious question. And America should never be f- defending and funding NATO operations as long as they're relying on Vladimir Putin for all of their energy. Terrible strategic move. It's all in the hands of NATO. But who's there to clean up the mess? America. America's supposed to step in, spend billions of dollars cleaning up the mess and the problem that NATO members in Eastern Europe created. AFA at the core. We'll be back in just a few minutes with a special guest. Stay tuned. AFA Announcing AFA.net slash connect. It's the one click that will link you to so many AFA platforms. Pick and choose which updates you want to receive. Easily subscribe or unsubscribe. American Family Studio. And to quote our privacy policy, American Family Association will not sell, rent, or lease your personal information to outside organizations. AFA Journal. Make a better connection with AFA at AFA.net slash connect. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. 
We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. A Moment of Truth with Gary Bryden of the Association of Independent Methodists. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that his heart was evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and said, I will destroy man whom I have created. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, was a just man, and walked with God. Because of that, God used Noah to offer redemption to all who would repent and enter the ark. 2,000 years ago, God took his sinless son, God the Son, and sent him to the cross to atone for your sin and mine. Through repentance and faith, we can be forgiven. That's the message of the cross. The Association of Independent Methodists, like-minded congregations doing together what can't be done separately. Visit aim2020.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to The Core here on American Family Radio. Glad to have you back with us on the show. As always, you can listen online at AFR.net or by downloading the American Family Radio app. Well, we have a guest on the line with us, but not just any guest, a very special guest who I was able to spend some time with this past weekend in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Debbie Wuthnow, president of iVoterGuide, which is a division of AFA Action. She's on the line with us. Hey, Debbie, uh, welcome back to the core. Hey, Walker, glad to be here. Uh, Debbie, before we jump mm-hmm. into the primaries and the elections that we have going on in the next few months, um, you sent out a tribute to mm-hmm. our uh, the founder of iVoterGuide, one of the founders of iVoterGuide, Richard Ford, longtime friend of the ministry, a longtime mentor and father-like figure to you, and he passed away uh, just about a week or two ago. Uh, Tell our audience a little bit about that tribute and about Richard's life. Wow. Um, Well, Richard Ford is uh, like a dad to me. He was, uh, I would say, very involved in Texas politics for decades and uh, did it because God kind of told him that, that it was what he was calling him to do. He loved Jesus. He was trying to glorify him in all he did, and by by getting family values and biblical values into uh, into government, 
So he worked on legislation in Texas way back in the 70s. It was Bill Bright who kind of set him off on this path, the guy who founded Campus Crusade for Christ. So Richard was involved in getting, you know, no state income tax in Texas and uh, legislation, even when there was a Democratic governor that uh, gave health standards to abortion clinics and closed half of them. But Richard really believed that people needed to vote wisely. And that was uh, why he started creating voter guides uh, back in the 70s. And then, you know, God brought another person in to, to create the online voter guide that is iVoter Guide. But, you know, Richard believed in praying for our leaders. He believed in um, being a, a shining light to culture and uh, and just, yeah, I'm going to miss him. He was a great guy. Yeah, Richard, Richard left his mark. He left his mark mm-hmm. on this country, and he left his mark on you and I and dozens, if not hundreds, of other people uh, around yeah. the country. So Richard will be missed, but we know he's in a better place. He's uh, with his Heavenly Father now and uh, enjoying Streets of Gold and a brand-new body. Uh, so we rejoice in the fact that we know where Richard is. Hey, Debbie, um, back to the primaries or to the primaries. We have, mm-hmm. We've had primaries going on in recent weeks and months, but— Tell us what we have upcoming with not only iVoter Guide, but, well, we got the iVoter Guide uh, resource, but we also have primaries that that uh, tool can be used uh, going around the country. Tell us a little bit about what we have coming up. Well, let me start off by saying just the importance of the primary, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not as many people vote in the primary. Uh, as little as one in five registered voters will vote, and that's, you know, and only 65% are registered. But yet, in the primary election, most of the districts are drawn to strongly favor one party over the over the other. So the real choice to to to, to choose the good guy really happens in the party primary. You have the most opportunity that your vote counts for the most because fewer people vote. But yet, it's where people typically lack information on the candidates, and I think that's why the turnout's lower. So that's part of why I voter guide is there is is to give people good information on the candidates in the primary. Now, every state has a primary. Um, there's only one state that's up, is done, and that's Texas. There are 49 primaries still to come, and 30 of them will happen before the end of June. Um, so we're about to hit what we're calling crunch time of party primaries. The first ones out of the gate come next Tuesday in Ohio and Indiana, and then there are, um, I think, 13 more primaries in May and 17 primaries in June. So now is the time to start paying attention to what's going on um, and, and get involved and make sure you're registered to vote and turning out to vote in these primaries. And Debbie, when it comes to the voter guide itself, what, mm-hmm. what do, does the voter guide just tell us, you know, the name of the candidate and what district they're from, or does it give us a little more information about them? <laughs> well, we get as much information as we can find. And it's at a minimum, the names and the photos of the candidates, what party they're in, if they've got a website, if they've got a, you know, a Facebook page or a Twitter page or a LinkedIn page or whatever um, medium they're using to communicate their message to, to, uh, to the voters, we gather that information together. If they've given money to anybody or received uh, you know, to a, a candidate or to an organization, if they've received money into their campaign, we provide that to the voters. Um, if they've ever held office, so if they're in Congress, or maybe they're running for Congress, but they were a state legislator, or they're running for state Senate and they were a state rep, we get scorecards from organizations that pay attention to the specific way that they vote when they're in office on bills and legislation, and they score the candidate on their issues. We have hundreds of those that we've gathered together in iVoter Guide, because the best predictor of what a candidate's going to do in the future 
as what they've done in the past, both with their money and with their vote. We also get endorsements, and then every candidate gets the opportunity to answer our issue survey. Not all of them do, but it is very helpful when they do, and that's provided to the voters. And then the best thing that is very unique to iVoterGuide is that we then rate every candidate if we have enough information um, on a scale from verified liberal to verified conservative to give the average voter a predictor of how that candidate will vote if they're in office. Now, I will tell you in the primary, there will be, there's a lot of people running for office this time. I would say Mm -hmm. um, we're probably 25% more candidates than we've seen in previous years, which is a great thing. I think America's waking up. There's also a bunch of open seats. So lots of candidates out there. And you can go into iVoterGuide. Some of them will be rated the same, you know, that we think they'll vote similarly, but we give you all the data to look for yourself because you may have one issue that's more important to you. I look at spiritual values because I want to vote for somebody who shares my biblical values, but I also look for, you know, what's their uh, exceptions to abortion? Where do they stand on, you know, some national security issues? And you can see their answers and try to glean from there, you know, and choose between the candidates that are rated about the same. Yeah, this giving is giving you a tool. Yeah, this is an excellent tool, Debbie, and we've got to have we got to have folks use it. We got to have our uh, the public out there, uh, Christians around the country, anyone who cares about the future of our country, uh, everyone is welcomed to use this uh, voter guide. It's a critical tool uh, for uh, for being an educated voter. Debbie, thanks for coming on, and we'll chat again soon. I love it. Thanks, Walker. All right, thank you, Debbie West. Now, president of the I Voter Guide Division of AFA Action. And um, I don't just say this because I'm the CEO of AFA Action, <laughs> although that plays a part in it. But this is the best, most inf- most detailed voter guide in the country. I can say that beyond the shadow of a doubt. This is the most informed, most detailed voter guide in the country. As she said, as Debbie said, uh, we have... Scorecards, we publish all the scorecards from uh, leading organizations around the country on the candidate. We publish endorsements. We publish uh, contributions, where donations are coming from. Uh, we, we send out a candidate survey or a candidate questionnaire. Um, and then lastly, AFA Action and Guide. they uh, publish a rating, a final rating on these candidates. So we need people all around the country to go to iVoterGuide.com to uh, type in their address, type in their zip code, and find out who is on their ballot, and then download that ballot and download that list of candidates and then take that with you to the ballot box to be a more informed voter. So go to iVoterGuide.com. It's a free resource for people to use all around the country. We have churches that we partner with that use it. Uh, We have all kinds of small groups that use it. So if you're not sure who's on the ballot or you just want to be more informed, Go to iVoterGuide.com and check that out. Uh, back to the news stories for today. I want to play this clip. This is clip four. Uh, let's listen to Janet Yellen when she's questioned. This is the Treasury Secretary. Uh, she is questioned about um, how long inflation is going to stick around. Is inflation gone? What does Janet Yellen have to say? Clip four, let's listen. Do you think inflation is going to get worse, or do you see it having well, maybe peaked in March? Well, it may have peaked, but look, you know, inflation has been high, and I think the shocks emanating from this unjustified attack on Ukraine um, will prolong inflationary pressures. So the outlook is uncertain. Um, As you know, the Fed is taking steps. 
to bring inflation down. But I think we'll have to put up with high inflation for a while longer. Well, you notice the difference between that clip and the clip, I don't know, eight to 12 months ago? Is she admitted in that clip that inflation is here to stay, at least for the foreseeable future? You know, we were told months ago when questioned about inflation, it's transitory, folks. It's transitory. It'll be here and it'll be gone before you can blink your eye. It's temporary. It's transitory. The, the conditions in the market are improving. Yada, yada, yada. We've got a new president. He's going to spend trillions. It's transitory. Just sit back and relax. We've got this taken care of. Well, when it persisted, talking about inflation, three to six months later, they were questioned, hey, what about it being transitory? Well, it's it's still transitory. <laughs> okay, well, what's the definition of transitory? Short-term. Okay, well, what's what's the definition of short-term? Well, it depends on who you talk to. All right, so Janet Yellen is admitting there, inflation is here to stay, but the only reason she admitted on national television that it's here to stay is because there's a fall guy. Who's the fall guy? The fall guy is Vladimir Putin. How convenient. How convenient. The Biden administration built and fostered an environment that strengthened Vladimir Putin on the world stage. Putin takes that cue, invades Ukraine, and now the Biden administration has a convenient political talking point for eternity. Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin. Why, why, is my, why are my groceries up 25% at the grocery store? Vladimir Putin. Why is my gas up 75% at the pump? Vladimir Putin. <laughs> you see here, nothing changed. Nothing changed except there became a fall guy. There became someone in a situation to blame something on. So now we admit that inflation is here to stay, but we don't just admit inflation is here to stay because of the terrible policies of the Democrats, but inflation is here to stay because of Vladimir Putin. You see, did Biden really not want Putin to invade Ukraine? I don't know. But why? how would it benefit? Answer me this. How would it benefit Biden had Putin not invaded Ukraine? Tell me how Biden would benefit from Putin staying in Russia, Ukraine staying intact, and this war is not going on. How would Biden benefit from that situation I just described? The answer is Biden would benefit none. Because all the eyes would be on domestic issues, which are the ones that matter the most, might I add. So now, it's perfect for the Democrats. Everything is Russia, Russia, Russia. Just like 2015, 2016, when they cornered our incoming president, set him up with no crime, and investigated him for 12 to 18 months and spent millions of taxpayer dollars on a hoax. And so uh, the Biden administration admits that the inflation is transitory, and then they go to their typical fall guy, 
and blame, blame Vladimir Putin. But this was a problem before Vladimir Putin. So let's be reminded of that. American people, those out there that go to the ballot box every two years or whatever, they, they, these problems that you're experiencing in your life, these domestic policy issues, these economic issues, were well underway before Putin decided to go into Ukraine. That's a cold, hard truth that cannot be ignored. So I just want to encourage, I want to challenge America out there. Don't be gaslit. Don't fall into this trickery where we blame some country thousands of miles away because Biden is a terrible president. Biden is a terrible president. The policies are horrific. The economy is limping along because we have a president who got sworn in and on day one of being sworn in began the assault on America's economy. Well, how did he begin the assault on America's economy? Well, he slashed and put an immediate pause that is still in effect on new oil drilling leases on federal lands. He sent a signal to oil companies that we don't need you and we don't like you because of big, bad fossil fuels. Well, what does the market do? The market responds. And the oil companies are not incentivized to increase production. Why? Because the president hates their guts. So we do that on the energy front. We cut on the Russian pipeline called Nord Stream 2, which enables Russia to become more energy dominant. Then we print $1.9 trillion overnight, the American Rescue Plan, to allow people to sit on the couch for six more months. And then we turn around and we want to blame Vladimir Putin. Folks, don't be gaslit. We're not fools. We're smarter than this. The where we are now in America is directly the, the, the result of Joe Biden. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.